I'm Jeff Potma from the Bain Institute for Clinical uh, Investigation, and I'm with uh, Jason Bottolari, Sean Madden from InfraredX. Welcome, guys, to this day. Listen, it's it. We had a great discussion earlier today about what imaging is all about, and I got I got to tell you a story in the cath lab that um, I had a patient come in on a Saturday, and patient um, was sick and had chest pain and had to you know go for emergency procedure, which we did, and I saw an LED lesion that was about 20 millimeters long with a diagonal branch that came out in the midst of it. And of course I'm gonna fix it, but it was one of those times where imaging could have been very, very useful. And I've told the story a couple times and one, I said I should use IBIS and another guy said I should use OCT and I just didn't use either one of them and I just went ahead and fixed the vessel and it was all fine. And I, I realized that the, our, what we do in the cath lab has really changed over the last five or six years. We're not just thinking about the physiologic significance of a lesion. We're also thinking a lot about morphology. And the traditional tools that we've always had are IBIS, and of course that's been supplanted now a little bit with, with OCT. But Sean, tell me a little bit about what InfraredX can do for plaque characterization that the usual tools that I have available to me on Saturday morning may not have. Sure. Well, IVIS and OCT are incredibly useful, um, both in their own way. Uh, inherently, both techniques can only tell you the structure of the vessel. They can tell you lumen dimensions. They can, IVIS can tell you the, the EEM so that you can get plaque burden. Uh, but anything to do with composition is really kind of a guess, uh, and a guess on information that is fundamentally structured. So what we've done is we've com combined an IVIS catheter with near-infrared spectroscopy, which has the fundamental basis for composition and we're the first and only technology that has a label for lipid core which of course is a very important compositional aspect of plaques. So tell me tell me a little bit more about lipid core. I mean that that's always what we worry about. We worry about the 40 or 50 percent lesion that um, we're all fine and all of a sudden suddenly there's some degradation of the protective collagenous coating over that and then there's an exposure of the lipid pool. What from a morphologic perspective, how often do we see lipid cores? What, what in vessels sometimes they're present in one area and not another? What's the heterogeneity to, to this to finding as well? It's actually quite difficult to predict where lipid cores are going to be. Uh, the definitive place you would look for where they are and what the rates of lipid cores are, of course, would be autopsy data. And in autopsy data, you, you see that it's actually a fairly small percentage of the artery tree that has lipid cores, and it's, it's not that often that patients have lipid cores. So a, a typical patient may have one and a half to two lipid cores if the patients that you're seeing in a, in a, in a cath lab situation. So um, it's... You kind of, that's sort of the point, is you kind of don't know where they are. But is, is there a prognostic importance of having the lipid core versus not having the lipid core? That, of course, is one of the most important questions. Um, what is seen from the autopsy data's, data is that roughly 80-plus percent of patients who have a sudden coronary event that's, that causes their death you can confirm that it was caused a by a lipid core. Yeah. What's not necessarily known is how many lipid cores that you may find in a living patient go on to cause an event in yeah. that patient. So really, the trials to prove that are, are in progress. Uh, there's the LRP study and there's the Prospect uh, 2 study right now 
that are really detecting uh, reliable, confirmed lipid cores by near-infrared spectroscopy and following those patients to, uh, for their event rates. So starting at TCT 2018, which is where LRP will be uh, unveiled as a late breaker, I think we'll have a lot more information Good. on that question. So, Jason, you and I grew up in the stent world. Back, we were putting bare metal stents, struggling stents in, and interventional cardiologists are typically known for being aggressive for stenting. We like to think we're more cognitive now about doing it. But there are also some incredibly um, powerful tools like PKSK9 inhibitors that seem to do a lot for lowering LDL cholesterol and reducing cardiovascular risk. Um, how do you integrate some of the imaging technology that you see with some of the dramatic reductions that we could do therapeutically, both with either putting a scaffold in, perhaps, that would resolve itself over a focal area, but more diffusely, some very powerful tools that we can use to lower cholesterol levels. So um, we believe we can provide you a tool to help you personalize your, your treatment for a patient. So whether that be a metallic stent or drug-eluting stent or, or a, a aggressive drug therapy. Um, and so those studies need to be um, completed. Uh, there's a couple that are in progress uh, outside of the United States. Um, but certainly there are certain patients that do not have flow-limiting lesions but may have a localized high volume of lipid uh, in a four-millimeter segment of their artery. And those patients, if the, if, if, if the appropriate use criteria says you can't put a stent in those patients, they may be good candidates for a PCSK9. And so this technology, because we tell you composition, we know those lipid cores are so associated with major adverse mm -hmm. cardiac events, those patients may be good candidate for PCSK9. Um, so that's one, tech, um, one technique for the use of the technology that may bear fruit in sort of driving costs out of the system and allowing you to personalize and hopefully prevent that secondary event. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting because now we're, we're, we are using some of that technology to make clinical decisions in the lab and as far as if I see a very focal lesion in a proximal vessel, it's a pretty easy fix to relieve angina, not save lives or prevent heart attacks, but to relieve angina. We certainly know how to do that. For a non-STEMI, we know that we probably reduce hospitalizations and death and that kind. But where I struggle is when I take a patient who has a chest pain syndrome, maybe a positive troponin, and yet I do the cath and there's nothing to stent. And, and you know, you see lots of lumps and bumps, 30 or 40% lesions, sometimes 50%, not hemodynamically significant, even if I do a, an IFR or FFR. And yet I'm still, at the end of the, I don't feel good about that. I, I would have felt better about putting a stent in and saying I'm going to make them better, at least symptomatically. I feel less well about how to manage patients afterwards. I would imagine the characterization of their vulnerability with using some advanced imaging techniques might help out in that in that situation. Yeah. Well, with 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 this technology, you're going to get plaque burden, which we know is a predictor of major events. You're going to get lipid core, and then there's some new research happening where our technology, because it's compositional, can tell you the collagen matrix over that lipid pool. So you're going to get three features of vulnerability and one intravascular imaging pullback to arm you with more information than you have today to say what's the best course of treatment for this patient. Right? Some of those patients may need a stent. Some of those patients may need aggressive statin therapy. Some may need a PCSK9. But um, we just want to give you the best tools available yep. so you can make the best decision possible. So, and, and have, you, have you incorporated all the 
coronary CTs that we're doing right now in terms of trying to correlate some of the things that you're finding from the coronary CT findings? Sean, what, what, do, you, what do you think is the possibility for some clinical research in that area? I think there's a great possibility there to identify plaques non-invasively uh, before a patient has had a cath, uh, identify plaques that may need an invasive confirmation of vulnerability. I think that would very much change the paradigm of, of uh, cardiovascular care as, as we know it. And a lot of those tools are, are almost there. You can get a very good plaque burden and even some compositional information from CTA these days. Uh, and there's growing information that, 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 that those parameters um, can already predict risk at fairly high levels, you know, 15, 20% event rates, as was seen in Prospect. You can get that plaque burden that Prospect showed is, is predictive of events. You can now get that non-invasively. So I see that as, as the, the future, and I see our, our technology as, as a big part of that future. That's why the company was founded to prevent heart attacks, right? So our, our near-term goal is to prevent the second event. You've got a patient on the table for some indication, and you're, you're going to treat that culprit lesion. Can, our technology can maybe help you say what to do after that patient leaves the yeah. hospital. Right? And then ultimately want to move this upstream. Right, so a hard CT, um, you know, that identifies some vulnerable features, then goes to the cath lab, and we can identify: is that patient truly vulnerable? Is that plaque truly vulnerable? I think it's a great place. So I, I think we got some exciting. The next year is going to be great for us. I think we're going to push imaging. We're going to go beyond just what the anatomy is. We're going to push towards physiology and plaque characterization. We're going to try to identify patients who are at risk for MIs, younger patients, as we're learning now more often. I think it's going to be a great year. Jason and um, Sean, let me thank you guys for coming. It's been great, and we're anxious to hear more over the next year. Thank you. Thank you for having us.